Welcome to the Come Follow Me with David Ridges podcast. I'm Julie Clough, author of Miracles in the Darkness. I'm your guest host for week April 12th through the 18th, covering Doctrine and Covenants section 37 through 40. When you listen to this, we will have just had the privilege of participating in a general conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in this section of the Doctrine and Covenants, we're going to be studying Revelation as it was applied to the church and a conference of the church, one of the very first conferences of the church, and we're going to be studying Revelation to an individual and how that applied to him and his salvation. So we're going to be looking at the Revelation given to the church at a conference, and we're going to be looking at revelation given to an individual in in this section of the Doctrine and Covenants. This is our experience also. We have revelation the Lord sends for the church in general, thus a general conference, and then we have revelation that we receive in our own behalf. Many times personal revelation is a result of studying general revelation by way of scripture and conferences of Latter-day leaders. The difference here is that the revelation given to the individual was given through the prophet, through revelation given to Joseph Smith. Today, more frequently, and hopefully on a daily basis, we receive revelation for ourselves through our own experiences with the Holy Ghost, which I'm sure those individuals at the time were also receiving. As you choose to study the gospel of Jesus Christ and you choose to apply general counsel, you will have the opportunity to receive personal revelation and choose to follow personal guidance God provides for you. I'm emphasizing the word choose. We're going to be talking about that a few times today. This is one way you can experience the influence of the Holy Ghost by studying with real intent. Of course, real intent is intending to do what the Spirit speaks to you in your heart and mind. I'm reminded once again of President Nelson's admonition that in coming days, quote, in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. The privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children, unquote. Keep in mind that quote from President Nelson said that, The privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children. And his prediction, President Nelson's prediction, that it will not be possible to survive spiritually in the coming days without the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost and learning to be influenced by the Spirit's loving guidance is a privilege and a skill that we must take seriously. That's what I'm hearing from President Nelson. That's the general counsel that we've been given. Then we get to apply that to ourselves personally as we truly are taking advantage of that gift that we've been given and are influenced by the Holy Ghost. In section 37, the Lord reveals the first commandment for the saints to gather in Ohio. Joseph is commanded to halt the translation of the Bible and to focus on gathering the saints in Ohio. This was in December, December of 1830. 
In Doctrine and Covenants 37.4, the Lord says, Here is wisdom. Let every man choose for himself. Again, that word choose. He's giving us wisdom. He's giving those saints wisdom. He's telling them that this is the time to gather in Ohio. But he's emphasizing their agency in choosing for themselves. Again, let every man choose for himself. We have that invitation over and over and over again as we learn and study from the scriptures. This revelation was given in December, December 30th. So it's just a few days, three days before the saints gathered on January 2nd in 1831. And and we see the revelation of that time in section 38. The New York saints are gathered in Fayette at Peter Whitmer Sr.'s home for a conference. Now, I hear that and I think, Can you imagine, like we think of General Conference now, and it's this huge worldwide event. It just really, for me, emphasizes the miracle that we experience in our day of having saints gathered through technology all around the world. We could not gather in a home for General Conference anymore today, could we? But section 38 is the revelation given during that time. And the saints had a lot of questions about gathering to Ohio. They have heard the admonition to gather in Ohio. And during this conference and in this revelation, the Lord gives them a little more information about the reasons for gathering in Ohio and some other really important doctrines for them to understand which again is a pattern that we see in our own general conferences today as we receive doctrine and wisdom and we are instructed in the wisdom of the Lord and we are given specific instruction as far as it applies to the church as a whole. But let's dive into section 38. Again, this is a conference gathered at the home of Peter Whitmer Sr., and they're being asked to move to Ohio. It's the middle of winter. In section 38, they're instructed why they're commanded to move to Ohio. And in verse 32, it says that they will be given the law in Ohio and be endowed with power from on high. Of course, we know now that that was the Kirtland Temple that they will build There are many of the Lord's doctrines outlined in section 38. I'm I'm going to review just a few of those things. We're going to look at this section, look at what um, God revealed at that time. But you will recognize so many verses from this section that are emphasized in our Latter-day teaching. When the Lord reveals himself, He explains who he is, and we see this in in this section. The, The verses start out with a clear explanation of his power, of Jesus Christ's power and authority in the creation of the earth and in its ultimate destiny. 
It starts out the very first line, thus saith the Lord your God, even Jesus Christ, the great I am, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the same which looked upon the wide expanse of eternity and all the seraphic hosts of the heaven before the world was made. He shares his identity. The same which knoweth all things, for all things are present before mine eyes. He is sharing who he, who he is, his power, his authority, the very nature of God, the very nature of the Savior. I am the same which spake, and the world was made, and all things came by me. He shares that he is the creator. I am the same which have taken the Zion of Enoch into mine own bosom. And verily I say, even as many as have believed in my name, for I am Christ. And in my own name, by the virtue of the blood which I have spilt, have I pleaded before the Father for them. He is the mediator. He is the Savior. He is he who pleads before the throne of the Father. On our behalf. Then in verse 7, he reminds us that he is looking upon us. He says, I am in your midst and ye cannot see me. In verse 8, he warns, He that is not purified shall not abide the day. And in verse 9, gird up your loins and be prepared. This is a message of eternal consequence. It applied to those listening in that moment that they needed to give heed, that they needed to listen, that they needed to gird up their loins, that they needed to be prepared for the coming days, the move to Ohio, the ultimately the building of the Kirtland Temple and all the things that would come beyond that, all the things that would happen in the, in the coming days. But this message is is exactly the th- same for us today. Gird up your loins and be prepared. Be spiritually prepared. This is the admonition that President Nelson has given us, that we need to be prepared. And part of being prepared is learning to be guided by the influence of the Holy Ghost. Then the Lord offers a warning and tells them, that the flesh is corrupted. The powers of darkness prevail upon the earth. He needs us to understand what what we're up against. That it's crucial that we pay attention, that we're aware of the enemy, that we're not only aware of the, the hope of salvation, but we're aware of the enemy, the enemy of our soul. He does not leave us without hope, for he has said, I am the Savior, I am in your midst, I am he who stands before the Father and pleads for you. In verse 16, he shares, I am no respecter of persons, a doctrine that we often hear And we're hearing at a different level more recently, I feel. It's being emphasized in ways that combat the common 
issues of our day. God is completely fair to all people. He has set up our salvation, our salvation, what is, is designed from the beginning before the earth was created. After he shares, after he teaches that he is no respecter of persons, he shares his promises. He shares his promises that I have made the earth rich. I will stand upon the earth, talking about the millennial day. I hold forth and deem to give unto you greater riches, even a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. Of course, the very best is the celestial kingdom, the celestial earth, upon which there will be no curse when the Lord cometh, and I will give it unto you for the land of your inheritance. Again, he's saying, I'm no respecter of persons. This is available to all. I want to share with you this quote from the Doctrine and Covenants student manual. And they, they, there's a long quote here from Elder Bruce R. McConkie, which gives these next, these verses that we just um, talked about some context. This is the quote. Quote, to better understand the Lord's promise in these verses, one needs to understand that the earth was designed by the Lord as a place of habitation for his children. The earth itself reflects the level of life that is lived on it. Elder Bruce R. McConkie described four of the stages the earth has gone through and will yet go through. Quote, Edenic earth, following its physical creation, the earth was pronounced good. It was a terrestrial or paradisical state. There was no death either for man or for any form of life, and all the vast creation of animated beings breathed not, but health and peace and joy. Okay, this is a quote again from Bruce R. McConkie talking about the earth in the Garden of Eden state. Then he goes on to talk about the telestial earth. Again, quoting from Elder McConkie, When Adam fell, the earth fell also and became a mortal sphere, one upon which worldly and carnal people can live. This condition was destined to continue for a period of 6,000 years, and it was while in this state that the earth was baptized in water. Okay, Again, talking about the telestial earth, the earth in which it was baptized by the flood during Noah's time. Quoting again on terrestrial earth, we believe that the earth will be renewed and receive its paradisical glory. Quartzets from the 10th article of faith. Thus, the earth is to go back to the primeval, paradisical, or terrestrial state that prevailed in the days of the Garden of Eden. Accompanying this transition to its millennial status, the earth is to be burned, that is, receive its baptism of fire. It will then be a new heaven and a new earth, and again, health, peace, and joy will prevail upon its face. Celestial earth, following the millennial plus a little season, the earth will die, be resurrected, and become a sea of glass, attain unto its sanctified, immortal, and eternal state. Then the poor and the meek, 
that is, the God-fearing and the righteous, shall inherit the earth. It will become an abiding place for the Father and the Son, and celestial beings will possess it forever and ever. The statement that there will be no curse on the earth when the Lord comes refers to the terrestrial earth during the millennium, whereas the promise that the saints will possess it during eternity reflects the earth's eventual celestial state. Wow, that's, I love that picture of the history of the earth from the Garden of Eden state to the celestial state to the millennial state or the terrestrial earth to then the celestial earth gives us a lot of understanding and background on not only the earth, but, but our history and our, you know, when we're told that we can inherit the earth, that that's a real statement. That's a real thing. So then we see in verse 20, the righteous will live on this earth forever. In verse 20, it says, and this shall be my covenant with you. You shall have it for the land of your inheritance and for the inheritance of your children forever, while the earth shall stand and ye shall possess it again in eternity. No more to pass away. This earth will become celestialized and this will be our place of of abiding in the celestial state. There is so much gold in this section of the Doctrine and Covenants, section 38. A lot of these things will sound very familiar because we hear it quoted all the time. In verse 27, if ye are not one, ye are not mine. In verse 30, treasure up wisdom. If ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. And then continuing into verse 31, and that ye might escape the power of the enemy. Be prepared. This is a theme that we hear over and over and over again. And we see the need for preparation all around us as we live in a world that's in continuous commotion. In verse 32, again, he says, you should go to the Ohio and there I will give unto you my law and there you shall be endowed with power from on high. At the time that this was given, they had, they really had no concept of what that meant to be endowed with power from on high. Those were, those were words of vision of what was to come. In verse 35, He tells us to look to the poor and the needy and administer to their relief that they shall not suffer. These are admonitions that we still live by. In verse 39, if ye seek the riches, which it is the will of the father to give unto you, you shall be the richest of all people for ye shall have the riches of eternity. And it must needs be that the riches of the earth are mine to give, but beware of pride. Again, a message that is powerful for our day to beware of pride, lest ye become as the Nephites of old. Then in verse 40, he talks about the work and the effort that's involved in keeping the commandments. Just like President Nelson reminded us in a recent conference, the Lord loves effort. 
and verse 40, he says, go to with his might, with the labor of his hands to prepare and accomplish the things which I have commanded. In verse 41, he says, let your preaching be the warning voice. But he cautions that the warning voice to every man, to the neighbor is in mildness and in meekness. And in verse 42, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. So much in this section, we could go on forever and ever. And if we were face to face, I would love to hear your feedback on all of these doctrines that are contained in verse 38. We're going to move on to section 39. In section 39, this is a revelation that's given three days after that conference. The conference was on January 2nd. Three days later, this revelation was given specifically through Joseph Smith to James Covell. And James Covell, in, in the original published Doctrine and Covenants, his name is spelled C-O-V-I-L-L, and he's listed as being a Baptist minister. But with certain... Um, further research, they have established that his name was actually spelled C-O-V-E-L, and he was actually a Methodist minister, not a Baptist minister. So this has been corrected in later editions of the Doctrine and Covenants. And I noticed in my own scriptures, because I have an earlier edition of the Doctrine and Covenants, I still had the previous spelling and the previous reference to him as a Baptist minister. All this background is given in David Ridge's book, Your Study of the Doctrine and Covenants Made Easier. I thought this was really, really interesting information to learn that with research that that new things have been discovered. But James Covell had been a Methodist minister for about 40 years, and he covenanted with the Lord that he would obey any command that the Lord would give to him through Joseph the prophet. That's what we find in the heading of section 39. And then this beautiful section where the commandments given specifically to James Colville, which we will see that many of these are commandments or um, admonitions that we are all given as individuals, that the the commandments are outlined here for him and the promises that are made to him if he is faithful. Remember that he has, has covenanted that he'll obey any commandment that the Lord would give to him through Joseph the prophet. As in so many revelations, the Lord starts out with, I am the great I am, even Jesus Christ. He is very clear about his identity, the light and the life of the world, a light which shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth not, the same which came in the meridian of time unto mine own, and mine own received me not. The Lord is very clear about his identity as the Savior of the world and very clear about communicating that in every in every revelation. In verse 6, he outlines his gospel. This is my gospel, repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. 
even the comforter which showeth all things and teacheth the peaceable things of the kingdom. In verse 10, hearken to my voice, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on my name, and you shall receive my spirit and a blessing so great as you never have known. Now, this revelation is given specifically to James Coville, telling him that he needs to be baptized, that this baptism is going to wash away his sins, that he should call upon God's name, that he should receive the spirit, and that the that in this, he will be blessed and blessed so great as you never have known. He has been given specific instructions. These are instructions that we are also given. And these are promises that we're also given that we'll receive the spirit and a blessing so great we, that we never have known. And he goes on to say, and if you do this, I have prepared thee for a greater work. So he's telling James Coville specifically that he has a greater work for him to do, that he should preach the fullness of my gospel. Remember, he's been a minister for 40 years. For 40 years, he's preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, but not in its fullness. Now he has an opportunity to preach in fullness, to have the fullness of the gospel to to preach, that he's called to the labor, this is in verse 13, that he's called to labor in in the vineyard to build up my church and to bring forth Zion, that it may rejoice upon the hills and flourish. Blessing after blessing is identified for James Coville, specific instructions that he should go with the people to Ohio, that he should, like I said, preach the fullness of the gospel. Powerful words are given. Powerful revelation is given to James Coville. In verse 19, Wherefore go forth, crying with a loud voice, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand, crying, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Most High God. Go forth baptizing with water, preparing the way before my face for the time of my coming. What a beautiful, beautiful commandment. The James Colville, who is a minister, who is a preacher of the good word of God, is given this opportunity to preach with greater power, with true authority, the fullness of the gospel. The instructions continue, and in verse 23 we read, And again, it shall come to pass that on as many as ye shall baptize with water, ye shall lay your hands, and they shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and shall be looking forth for the signs of my coming, and shall know me. Verse 24, Behold, I come quickly. Even so, amen. This revelation is beautiful. It is packed with power and authority that James Coville has been searching for and is now receiving, and he has an opportunity to choose, to choose into this more powerful work, to choose into representing the Lord with authority and to receive the spirit and a blessing so great as you never have known. This was his choice. 
Unfortunately, even with this powerful revelation that he received during this time, the influence of his past, the influence of men caused him to go a different direction. And we're going to see that in section 40. Section 40 is only three verses. Behold, verily I say unto you that the heart of my servant James Colville was right before me, for he covenanted with me that he would obey my word. And he received the word with gladness, but straightway Satan tempted him, and the fear of persecution and the cares of the world caused him to reject the word. Wherefore he broke my covenant, and it remaineth with me to do with him as seemeth me good. Amen. Just three verses of warning, of understanding of what happened, that James Colville came to the work with a clear heart and a a desire to obey, to do the will. The prophet wrote in the in the heading here, it says the prophet wrote, as James Coville rejected the word of the Lord and retor- returned to his former principles and people, the Lord gave unto me and Sidney Rignan the following revelation, which I just shared with you. This is a warning for all of us. He received the word with gladness. We have received the word of gladness. We have felt the spirit expand in our heart and in our mind. We have felt and heard the words of the Lord through the prophets just in recent days through general conference, through our own personal study of the scripture, through our own experiences with the Holy Ghost. We are warned to not be tempted by Satan, to not let the fear of persecution and the cares of the world cause us to reject the word that we have felt expand within us, to stay true to our covenants and to remain with the Lord through the end of our days that we might inherit the earth. This is our privilege and our promise that as we, as we keep the commandments, as we receive the word with gladness, as we open our heart to the Holy Ghost, that privilege that President Nelson identified, the privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children. Receive and do. Receive revelation with real intent, real intent to do and to be. That is our blessing and our privilege. And it's my prayer that we will do just that, that we will keep the Lord's commandments, that we'll take our questions to the scriptures, to true source of revelation, that we'll take our questions to conference, a true source of revelation and love from God. For he is no respecter of people and all these promises are available to every person. You, me, and all people that exist and have existed.